By the power of Grayskull, Kevin Smith has royally pissed some people off. Today on... Okay, so... You and I have now both watched the new Masters of the Universe Revelations, correct? All five episodes that are released so far? Right. So that just came out just the other week, right? And part one, though, of five episodes. Right. So it's going to be two parts, five episodes each. I have no idea when we're getting the second part. I'm guessing in a couple of months. Probably, I think I think not until next year, I had heard. Is it really that long? It seems yeah. very strange to me. Given that it's a property trying to sell toys, you'd think they'd want to get all the things out there at the same time for people to be like, hey, toys, get them, you know? I think it has something to do with like the the hype machine. So when this first got announced, Kevin Smith is attached to it, Mark Hamill, right? Like Henry Rollins, an amazing cast. There's a lot of hype for it when it came oh, out. Oh, absolutely. And it's riding that coattails of some other recent reboots like Voltron and She-Ra. So I think maybe they wanted to capitalize that and release something now and then do the rest later on. It's my guess anyway. Gotcha. So I guess first off, we should address that this episode will have spoilers. If you've not watched these and you intend to, please go watch these first and then come back and listen to this episode. I really enjoyed it. But I mean, the first episode, like we're already going to have major spoilers just from the first episode. So I don't want to ruin it for people. Go watch the series. It's just five episodes. It's like, what, hour and 45 minutes tops? Yeah, not even. It's like something <laughs> I finished off in a Sunday afternoon. It was not nearly as long as I thought it was. So definitely do yourself a favor. Go watch it if you have any interest. Go into it open-minded is my recommendation. Don't jump in expecting an adventure of the week type of story like you used to get with the old Masters of the Universe cartoon, because that's not what you're getting. Right. That, that's the thing, too, is like when we were kids, right, whether it's Transformers or Voltron or, or original He-Man, it was it didn't really matter what episode you jumped into the series at. It was always standalone, right? Like classic Star Trek used to be. I don't think there's any. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a handful two-parters, I think, in that show. Yeah, those were always like major things, though, with cartoons like that was, you know, oh, my gosh, there's a two parter. I think what Darkwing Duck did something where one of them was like five parts. Oh, and really? it was that ridiculous. Long? Yeah. Yeah. They had a five parter one at one point. Those were massive undertakings for the animation studios involved and the writers and everything. So they generally didn't go that long. They were like, well, let's make something self-contained. 20, 22 minutes. It's done. Kids right. will love it. <laughs> well that's the thing because when i heard about this this reboot of the show and they kind of said oh it takes place directly after the original 80s he-man cartoon but then they just immediately said well not that it matters because it doesn't matter if it's the fifth episode or the the 50th of he-man it's really the same thing you can kind of jump into the reboot at any point but this reboot though right from episode one and we should just get right into it i think episode one yeah there's a reason they call it revelations if you want to mention the whole idea yeah, so it starts off, first, can I address the fact that Prince Adam's dad is a total <laughs> prick to Adam? Yeah, he's such an <laughs> asshole. Like, I thought, you've seen, have you seen the He-Man and Robot Chicken before? No, I haven't. So in Robot, Robot Chicken's hilarious, and their their take on Master Universe is always great, and then they made the king and that a bit of a jerk, too. But I thought it was like a, a, a gag thing. I didn't realize they would take that as fucking canon when they did the Revelation cartoon. <laughs> they, they carry on that. He really is truly a dickbag across the board. Yeah. He just, he comes right out and says, you know, Tila becomes, let's, let's jump into this. Tila becomes the new man-at-arms. Right. You know, current man-at-arms, Duncan, super proud of his daughter. And Adam says something... Or, uh, no, Duncan says, I'm really proud of you. And then Adam's dad says something along the lines of, at least one parent around yeah. here can be proud of their child or something. Dude! <laughs> like, someday you'll amount to something. Like, thanks, dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I know he didn't know that his son is He-Man, but damn. Yeah. 
he's just a total jerk right off the get-go. It's weird. I was just going to say, I do like how right from the beginning, they set up Tila, who's voiced by Sarah Michelle Geller from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They set her up as a badass right from the first five seconds, right? Like, she's the new oh, man yeah. at arms. She's armed. She's buff. She's very confident, right? She's definitely a great contrast to Prince Adam, I think, right? So I love what they did with Tila right from the get-go. Um. Oh, yeah. So when we were watching, when I started watching this, I figured I'd throw it on. The wife was cooking something. So I didn't think she'd be super into the show. So I was like, all right, I'll start this up and see what it's like. I'll just watch the first episode. We ended up watching the first three episodes. The line where <laughs> the king says that to Adam, just from the kitchen, she's like, damn, dude. <laughs> it's the attorney so, school of parenting, man. It's bad. Yeah. So she was interested just because the show was not pulling punches in terms of content. Right. It is clearly not made specifically for children. It's written in such a way to where, you know, most parents probably wouldn't mind their kids watching it, but it's definitely being written for people who grew up with He-Man and Masters of the Universe around right. our generation, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, whatever. Because, what, Masters of the Universe originally aired 83 to 85, I believe it was? Yeah, it was, it was just in the cusp of, of that late early 80s animation, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's when I was born, was 83, so... It's not like I was sitting there watching it every Saturday morning going, ooh, what happens this week, you know? Right. It, <laughs> it was more something that came, you know, if it was on and I was, I was probably like three or four at the time. If it was on, I'd watch it. Personally, I was more into Thundercats. I think I liked the Snorks back then. You know, I was really little. Was... Right. I forgot about the Snorks, <laughs> actually. Jabberjaw, that kind of stuff was my... I was more Scooby-Doo, Jabberjaw, that sort of stuff. But right. Thundercats were just cool for me, so... Yeah, for me, I did watch it when I was that age. But for me, it was more the toys that I was into, I think. Because everybody my age had mm. the He-Man toys. And that's that's all that show was, was a commercial. My cousin did have the uh, did have the Castle Grayskull playset and Skeletor and He-Man. Right. I do remember us playing with those a few times. But uh, yeah, I was I was never a huge He-Man fan. I still to this day don't think I've ever seen the Masters of the Universe movie all oh, the really? way through. <laughs> I've seen pieces of it. I okay. know you guys watched it for the Patreon. I didn't get to make that one. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's great because like for that one, the casting was for a live action movie. It was dead on Dolph Lundgren. And was it Frank Langelia as Skeletor? It's, it's fantastic casting, but. It had to be different than the cartoon. The cartoon characters of, of He-Man and Skeletor are so drastically different. Yeah. So I, I think the concept of Masters of the Universe, when all is said and done, was a little over my head for my age at the time. The world they build is like a weird mesh of magic and technology. And there's, I mean, it's it's the adventure of the week, of course. But it does focus a lot on the characters' relationships. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of violence, despite... I mean, this video behind us, you see people beating each other up. This is probably the most violent He-Man's ever been in this old filmation animation style. Yeah. It was... <laughs> he would punch the screen once or twice per episode. That was your violence from He-Man. Yeah. The weapons didn't mean anything except for calling upon the power. Like, he had the sword, <laughs> but he almost never used it. Right. It's more just like set yeah. dressing. He only used it when he transformed, really. I mean, I think they broke machinery from time to time, but nobody ever actually got hurt. Right. Yeah. And that's where this new series drastically changes direction. So right off the bat, in the first episode, massive twist that, you know, it's it's toward the end of the episode, of course, but they kill both, not just one, but both He-Man and Skeletor. I did not see that one coming, right? Of everything I would gonna not do, have imagined. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> so I I was into it at this point. I'm like, okay, they're taking us on a, a new adventure. It's It's no longer, you know, at the end of the episode, whatever's happened really makes no difference toward next episode. No, they're going all in on the long story arc and getting things going. And I mean, even 
even there, it feels like the first five episodes would be the first part of a two-parter episode as yeah. far as the story arc is concerned. That's the thing when I was telling my wife about it, because I, I didn't think she would like it either. So I, I, I kind of just went through and watched it on my own. But it was interesting that the pacing of this show is just like, boom, 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 like really fast. The episodes are very short. There's very little, like, slow down. Like, it's like when you say they kill off He-Man, He-Man and Skelter in the first episode, like, it's literally only 30 minutes and it's done. And it's very quick. And yeah, almost too fast paced. I want to say, I, not that I like filler episodes in a TV show, but I almost wish they had one more episode of this to kind of spread things out a little bit because it feels like the pace was, it was such a rapid pace of plot and it was kind of kind of hard to keep up with how fast it was going. Yeah, it's it was definitely interesting. And so there's a lot of people, let's, let's talk about the controversy a little bit, I think. Right. There's a lot of people upset that the trailer is like, oh, look, He-Man is here to save the day. You know, it plays Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. And then you get He-Man showing up and stopping a giant boulder from crushing Man-at-Arms or something. And he's like, I'm here to save the day. I got this. Every single scene they use in that trailer is from the first episode. Yeah. (laughs) So people, you might agree, you might disagree, but people are upset that they killed He-Man off in the first episode. Because a lot of people think of Masters of the Universe as He-Man. I haven't dug in. I don't know if the original name of the show was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe or just Masters of the Universe. I can't remember, actually. I think it might have been He-Man's and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, or that's how they marked the toys. Uh, he, he is the central character in the original show. Yeah. I mean, the Masters of the Universe title was always part of the title. It, like That's right. always been there. Everybody might have shortened it to He-Man. But it was also about all the other characters involved. Man-at-Arms, Tila, Cringer slash Battle Cat. All these other characters are also important to the story and the world. I I feel like Kevin Smith sort of derailed things for people's expectations by making it not focused on Adam and He-Man so much. I mean, he's still at the heart of the story because ultimately they're trying to get the sort of power back so that they can return magic to the world because in the second episode i don't know how long it's been i don't know if i didn't catch if they said or if it was left ambiguous uh like three years i think they say or five years like the characters have definitely aged after he dies in the the first episode and yeah because there's a there's a basically a time jump which like it's it's (laughs) before we move on to the next later episode though we got to start with the kill he-man and skeletor and we were saying how the okay. old show was not very violent. But right at the end of that first episode, they kill Moss Man, who I don't even know who that is. But it's the, the guy yeah, who's I don't guarding remember the, him. the globe. But uh, they kill him pretty graphically because my kids were watching with me. And they're like, are we allowed to watch this show? And I'm like, it's you, man. You should, <laughs> you should be able to watch it. Oh, my God. What they do? To, they burn him alive. I know he's a made yeah, of moss. Yeah, Skeletor plant, just but... torched him. Yeah. Or was uh, it that Lin? That was pretty grip. It was, uh, I think it might have been Evil Lin. But either way, it was pretty graphic. So I, I think the only reason he was there, though, is the voice actor for Moss Man in this is, um, is it Oppenheim? It's the guy who did Skeletor's voice in the old cartoon. So they kind of gave him a cameo oh. as Moss Man. But yeah, it's, Interesting. it's just, he's there for five seconds. Oh, Moss Man, you're dead. <laughs> it's like end of episode. It's pretty <laughs> brutal. But yeah, anyway, there's definitely a time. Then there's a time jump, like you said, three to five years. And I guess we pick up with Tila and her, what's her friend's name? Adora, Adara, Adra. How oh, is it a? Oh man, I I need to check my my. I can't remember now. This. But I guess the, the main thing though is, is Tila was Tila's not Andra. He-Man. Adra, okay. So it's Tila and Adra, and neither one of them is are as strong as He-Man. Nobody's as strong as He-Man in this show, really. But she's incredibly buff, athletic, and she's definitely a hero. And her partner, her and her partner, are kind of doing their their own mercenary gig, right? I, I'm just curious because they never outright say, is it implied that Tila and Andra are a thing? Um, because that's no. kind of what I got from some moments and other moments not. No, they don't mention anything. And I don't know. I thought they were going to go that way with it because uh, the Shiva reboot is kind of pretty well known for doing that. But then toward the end of the, the part five or episode five, you can kind of see that she still has feelings for Adam and He-Man still. 
Yeah, so I don't know if that's the romantic angle or not, or but they're going to later on set it up where it's it's like a three way where they're like whose whose affection is she going to go towards? I think maybe is what they're going to do in part two, but it's uh, they're definitely playing yeah, loose with it. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, but uh, there's so there's some story parts in the series that the wife and I have discussed, and we think that they should have gone a different direction. Um, I was actually expecting a different direction in episode five than they took. And I'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, a lot of people are upset that they killed He-Man and that the story is very focused on Tila and Andra and Evil Lynn. Yeah. Of all characters. People throw the word woke at Kevin Smith and all that. And it's like, okay, I kind of get where you're coming from on this. But at the same time, these characters have always been central characters to the story. Right. It's not unheard of to focus on another character, especially when the story arc is multiple episodes long instead of just one episode. I mean, fitting this entire adventure of He-Man dying, them going to hell, them going to heaven, all these things doesn't fit in one episode. <laughs> they they definitely cram it through really quick, though. Yeah, it's. I felt like that's why and when they the even get flashbacks. Going, well, they have flashbacks to all the... Yeah, each episode usually has a flashback. For, for a few minutes about the character that'll be later on that episode. And then they're constantly going across the whole globe plus heaven and hell all within five episodes. So that's why I was saying rapid pace of plot. It's insanely how fast yeah. they go through this stuff. And I do have to say all the characters in this, I was very pleasantly surprised at the level of acting they brought to this show. Unfortunately, all except for one character. Oh, for the voice actors? You didn't which one didn't you like? Yeah. Tila, Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> really? She has very little emotion in anything she says. I don't know if that's deliberate. Her her tone just rarely changes. She always just sounds a little annoyed at all times. When she's furious, she sounds a little annoyed. When she's right. happy, she sounds a little annoyed. Like that's all I get from her. I think for for her. My wife watches a lot of Buffy, and we watched some of it not too long ago. And I think that's just the actress. I think that's just the, the way she acts, where it's very just always annoyed. That's kind of the character of Buffy, and that's just the actress playing that role, I think, as Tila. So I, I don't know if it's just... I think that's just her. Yeah, it, I don't know. It also could be that she's not a voice actress, act. right? Yeah, she can definitely act, it but she's be. also not a voice actress, though. So when you take a, a classic trained actor and put him in a voice booth by themselves... Maybe that's maybe part of the problem, too, because she can't bounce off the other yeah, actors on she, set. Yeah, it might be that, and it might be that she's just not comfortable with doing it, and so she doesn't realize that sometimes... Because, I mean, that's something you hear from a lot of actors who become voice actors, is they... At, at first, their work suffers because they don't realize that they need to actually still act like they're acting yeah. to get the tones right. So, I don't know, maybe that was missing but I felt like her performance was lacking. Okay. That's my only issue. I, I thought her char- I thought her voice fit the character. I just... <laughs> no, I, <laughs> she I never really it. sounded emotional enough for me. Yeah. Especially for someone who's supposed to be tormented by her feelings and history with these characters. Well, I think my thing with it is she's tortured, but she's she's mostly just... Upset at the world, right? So she's so in the beginning of the episode, when she eventually finds out that Adam is He-Man, and then she feels like everybody in the world knows that except her, right? It was basically her and the king didn't know, but Adam's mother knew that he was He-Man. All his friend, Mad at Arms, Oracle, they all knew who He-Man actually was. But here she is supposed to be like his best friend, and she didn't know. So she feels kind of betrayed, yeah. and that's why I think she's like that irked attitude throughout the entire five episodes, and I, it kind of fits, but. <laughs> Um, but the other voice cast was amazing. Like for me, my favorite favorite in this so far in the show is uh, Henry Rollins does uh, Triclops in this one. Oh, okay. Which is like, so Henry Rollins is a he's one of those guys who does everything. He's an actor. He's a singer. He's a poet. Mm-hmm. He does all these things in real life. He's also a voice actor in um, uh, was it Legend of Korra where he played Zaheer. And as soon as I heard him as Triclops, I'm like, he's just doing Zaheer all over again. But I'm into it. It's cool. <laughs> He can play the anarchist in this, but I love it because they they set up the 
magic versus technology thing. But in this, they really run with it where Triclops is head of like a techno cult, right? And whenever he starts yeah. spouting off things like, all oh, praise motherboard. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was so super cheesy and hilarious. I loved it. Yeah, it, it was definitely a little cheesier than I expected. I am yeah. I think it fits because, again, it is Masters of the Universe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's and I mean, Kevin Smith is not afraid to lean into cheese from time to time. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely funny, especially when he was talking about praise the cup and all this. And that was that just went took me back in time to a night. A buddy of mine went and uh, went to a farmer's market that happened every week in the town we used to live in. One night we were just walking around after eating Del Taco first and <laughs> had an empty cup. And he just starts going, praise the cup. The cup will bring you no thirsty. And all- <laughs> yeah, it's that's wild. It's great, though, because he drank from that cup. And then your reward for drinking from the cup is your arm turns into a buzzsaw for some freaking reason. It makes no sense. Yeah. Just- and then your eyeball <laughs> comes out and is able to choke people and... <laughs> Yeah, that's another scene where my kids are like, I don't think we're allowed to watch this show. I'm like, shh, it's okay. Don't tell mommy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely more violent than the original for sure. Yeah. But I, I was super all in with everything. Just with each new episode, I was like, all right, I see where you're going with this. I'm digging it. I was, I was not displeased personally. So Tila got pissed at the end of the first episode and basically said fuck all y'all i'm out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you all Mic suck drop. and then she went and moved on with life and left all of them in the dust every single one of them she didn't care yeah. anymore and uh, so years later evil lynn shows up in disguise and convinces tila and andra to go get Skeletor's goblet back for some reason. I don't even remember the purpose of that. I think the first one was was it a test or was it the goblet turns into the uh, the skull from Skeletor's staff or something silly? Oh, that might have been it. I think it was. Yeah, it turns into the part of his staff. I don't know why <laughs> the skull's head is a cup, but I think that's what it was. And she needed that to uh, to power up the the magic or later on. Right. Okay. Like I guess it shows, goes to show this is. As more serious they take this show versus the original 80s cartoon, it's still boatloads of silly. And, and a lot of stuff oh, doesn't yeah. make sense, right? But it... So here's how this series came off to me. Is... And I've mentioned these episodes in the past. There's the Darkwing Duck episode where Goslin gets sent into the future like 20, 30 years or something. Darkwing has just gone batshit crazy. He's being total dictatorship police state with St. Kennard. Right. And it's very dark and he's barely a person anymore. All that. I loved how dark that got at the time. And I feel like that's what this did to masters of the universe. Yeah. It goes in that direction, but then there's still things in it that kind of keep it grounded in the eighties cartoon. Right. Like yes. the, the scenes where they're attacking castle gray skull which is not actually a skull. That was a revelation. That was funny. But as they're attacking it, yeah. right, or when the, the poor village later on, Triclops is attacking it with this cult, um, the vehicles that they ride are all the toys that you could buy as a kid from the 80s, right? The the buzzsaw hovercraft thing or the 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 tanks with the, the tail trebuchet thing in the back. All this stuff was straight out of the old 80s cartoon. And here they are in the Netflix oh, show yeah. taking it just a tad serious, just serious enough <laughs> To make it work, but it's just enough to, to remind you that hey, this is still He Man. Even and no matter how violent maybe they make it with the, the plot, it's still classically silly, which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed all that. <laughs> it was one of the uh, those are some of the things that were like, okay, this is super cheesy, but I'm in. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember after they went and invaded Snake Mountain and stole the cup that will bring you no thirsty. <laughs> What was the next part of the adventure? That was going to get Duncan and Orko. Yeah. Well, Evelyn says, thank you for the cup. Now do you want to deliver it? And they had to deliver it to back to Castle Grayskull. And they meet the sorceress, who's also really old. And that's where they right. kind of get the, the whole idea of 
why they're doing this, right? Why evil evil Lin and the bad guys are teaming up with the good guys is because after you know Skeletor and He-Man were killed, the globe of magic was destroyed, and there's basically no life left on Eternia. Like the plants are dying, there's no magic water. It's it's like the apocalypse for their world, and that's why they're kind of joined yeah. together. The idea is, you know, with nobody to call the power back to Eternia, the magic is dwindling from Eternia. And the universe is dying because that magic is what keeps everything in the universe alive. Thus, right. the masters of the universe. And that's when the sorceress explains they want to bring that back by reforging this sword, the sword of power. So before they can do that, they need to find a smith. And that's when they want to find, uh, what's his name? Men at Arms, I guess. Yeah. So they found they, they end up tracking down Men at Arms and... By association, Orko, Beastman, I believe it was. Yeah, Beastman's there. And uh, what's his name? Roboto? Yeah, Roboto. Yeah. Justin Long. He's finally a Mac. <laughs> oh, is that the voice of Roboto? <laughs> Justin Long? Yes. Was it really? Yeah, that's it hilarious. Was. You know, that's a Kevin Smith move, though, because he was in uh, what's it, Tusk. Yeah. He was. But Jason Muse also made an appearance in this. No, did he? Where? The beginning of the second episode when Andra and Tila are investigating that house that just royally stinks. Right. Stinkor, the character that they end up beating up, he was voiced by Jason Mewes. So oh, he had all wild. of like two lines maybe, line and a half, I don't know, but that was Jay. And then Smith's daughter voiced somebody in it too, but I don't recall who. Yeah, his daughter's now... She's like a she's an adult now. Wow, I feel old. <laughs> I do because she's done cameos and some of his other stuff in the past. Yeah, I, I don't remember the character she she voiced, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right. She was, and that's total Kevin Smith, right? All his friends that he's worked with in the past, he he always gets them a hook up in whatever gig he's working on. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck didn't make little appearances here and there, just because. Yeah. Maybe uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason Lee. <laughs> Who's Jason Lee? Oh, was he the devil guy in Dogma? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's and he's he was Dave and Alvin the and the Chipmunks. Yeah. He was. My name is Earl. Might be what right. most people know him as. That's okay. That they, they at least there's still room for other actors to be on the show though because um, they got the I think it's the guy who played um, the Onion Knight on Game of Thrones, who does the voice of Man at Arms. I can't remember the hell that his name is, but his it's voice is Liam great. something, which is hilarious because when I first heard Duncan, I was like, no way. Don't tell me that's Liam Neeson because they're already throwing <laughs> people at you. Right. And yeah. he sounded kind of like Liam Neeson, at least in the first episode. Well, I had to look it up and it ended up being. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got a similar accent, similar voice, all these things. And I was like, no way. But it is Liam. I don't know the guy's last name, but it was another Liam. I'm checking so. my mind, pals. I gotta, I gotta know. But yeah, because he, he was great in uh, great in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, he was great. Who did he play in Game of Thrones? You said Onion Knight. Who is that? He's the uh, the one with missing fingers. The one where Stannis cuts off his fingers for smuggling, and then he's he's loyal to him. He's got the gray beard. Uh, he works with Jon Snow. Oh. That's uh, him? Liam Cun- yeah, Leon Cunningham. That's him. Yeah, Leon Cunningham. He's a he's a great actor. Oh, that is him. Oh man, I liked him in Game of Thrones. He was one of my favorites. Yeah. He was he was a good a good fit for Duncan. And then um oh what's his name? Uh Steven Root did Cringer. Oh, did he? I didn't even pick up his yeah. at all. <laughs> I heard him and I was like, that's Steven Root. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, all like, around that a, was, a great That cast. was kind of interesting, but he's he was a great fit for Cringer, too, because he's got yeah. that sort of voice. What do you think about um, Mark Hamill as Skeletor? I loved it. Yeah. It was, it was very Joker, I yes. will say. Like, he didn't try to imitate the old Skeletor voice at all. And I'm okay with that. I thought it was a, it, he made it his own. Yeah. And I appreciated that. 
like there there are elements I, I feel of the old Skeletor in there, or, but it's mostly mm. like the dialogue. The dialogue was more fitting of Skeletor, so, but it was the definitely the Joker's voice on top of that. And I, I think it worked really well. Well, for as little as we got of him, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, he, I mean, Skeletor, <laughs> he's basically a magic using Joker. Yeah. When you really think about it, because he just he wants to rule. And I think the Joker that Hamill ended up voicing, he he wanted chaos, but he also like he was very, very proud of the fact that he was a leader of his crew. And so yeah. kind and of Skeletor takes care of his underlings for the most part. I mean, he calls them names and he and he's brutal with them sometimes, but he's he's that villainous b- buffoon type character, which is a bit different than Joker, mm. too. So, like, I think Joker, if Joker and Skeletor were in a, a room together, I think Joker wins. <laughs> I think Joker has just, yeah. just that enough mania where he would take take over Skeletor. But it's still really good. But yeah, great would, cast. He would manage Skeletor's staff and take him down. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Batman would have a whole new hell. <laughs> yeah, He-Man is no Batman. I gotta, I gotta say that. Uh, where were we in the story? Well, so they go and find Men at Arms, Roboto, and all that. And uh, basically, Roboto is the one who's going to reforge a sword. But they have to get the the two halves of it. And one half is in hell, and one half is in, in basically heaven. They have different names, but that's basically yeah. what they are. Subternia and Preternia. Right, yeah. But Andra straight up calls them heaven and hell. Yeah, so it's like, that's what they're going for. <laughs> but, and that's all stuff like where... I didn't realize there's enough lore there for He-Man, but so I'm wondering how much of this do they make up for the show or how much is this the stuff that may have been in the comics or box of the toys or, or what, but they, they definitely leave into the mythos of He-Man with this. Yeah. And then I don't want to jump into it too much, but we actually get a glimpse. I don't know how many of these characters we got to see in the old series, but we get to see a whole bunch of previous champions of Eternia. Yeah, I don't know if any of those were in the old show. Maybe Hero. Right, and again, so they, they, when they go to the afterlife, the heaven version, and they, they basically find Prince Adam there, and then they find all the descendants or the ancestors of He-Man, all the ones who had the same power, and they're all buff and built. And uh, yeah, I wonder if that's just stuff they made up for the show. They must have. Something about Hero strikes a bell, though, because there was like there is a, a whole world of he-man merchandise and, and comics and stuff right hero feels like something that had to have been in an older series because yeah. it's just perfectly cheesy enough <laughs> yeah i love kevin smith i don't think he would have come up with something that tongue-in-cheek spot on for something like this yeah whereas for the old show they would have been like well he-man hero it makes <laughs> sense we've got a toy you know yeah <laughs> Who else was his sister B except for Hero? It makes perfect sense. Um, I want to say that the uh, Gray Skull dude is definitely is probably unique to the show, and that's kind of interesting how they flesh that out, right? How he's the one they named after the name of the castle after, which is really well done. Yeah. yeah and then that was I never remember the guy's name, but you're in good hands with Hall State. <laughs> <laughs> is that the same that was him. <laughs> yeah, and we had just gotten finished watching. Uh, Season five of Lucifer, where he plays God. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, he's got a great voice. The voice was fresh stuff. in my mind. He does. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of how? So, it's all of He Man's ancestors in the afterlife, they're all still buff, except for Prince Adam, he's still in his nerdy state. And they do drop a line explaining that, saying that you know, when you're in the afterlife, you get to choose how you're perceived, how you look at if you want to be your ascended self or however they call it or if you want to be your your regular self your champion form yeah champion form and adam chose adam which is great because they say that adam is the only one who's ever chosen his non-champion form right and that's great with tila because tila was always always was upset so far saying that you know everybody knew that you were he-man except for me i didn't know who you really were i don't know if they come out right say it but i think adam by staying adam in the afterlife that is who he is he is prince adam he is not he-man truly He doesn't see himself as He-Man. He sees him. He sees He-Man as an extension of himself, as a weapon to fend off evil. Right. He doesn't see himself as He-Man. He is Adam. Right. And I, I was actually kind of surprised that Tila didn't even 
make any sort of note of that at all yeah. and that Adam didn't allude to it at all. It They just sort of glazed over it. If they had more episodes, I wonder if they would have expanded a little bit more on that because they get to episode five and she's still kind of pissed off at him, even toward the end. Yeah, even though he came back from the afterlife, which is totally unnatural and nobody's ever done it before. Well, and they tell him if you leave the afterlife, you can't come back. Yeah, so he gave up his eternal gift to come back yeah. and be with those he loves. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. So what I thought was going to happen, I guess we're going to skip over the hell episode because the hell episode doesn't do a whole lot aside from, I feel like, showing the audience that evil Lynn may not be the the evil person we thought she was. Because you get to see her grow with Orko. Yeah, and Orko basically sacrifices himself to save them all. And she yeah. has a moment there where she's like, it should have been me type of attitude, right? Where she wanted to help, but she couldn't. She wasn't strong enough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of paints her as not necessarily being the bad guy you think she is. Yeah, so it was a nice redeeming moment for both characters. I just, I'm kind of awestruck at how many characters they kill in this show because Orko dies. Yeah, Orko dies, Roboto dies. And I mean, not that I care about or- Roboto, but it's just like they spend a couple episodes building him up and, <laughs> and they kill him off. Yeah, it, and he got a beautiful death. He's like, you know, I, I'm... I'm okay with this because I know I feel scared to die, which means I feel, which means I'm a complete person. I'm a complete yeah. being, and that's all I need to go on peacefully. It's so, like, how tragic is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Right? Yeah. But it, that was super cool. It was, I, I actually got a tear or two out of that one. Well, the whole scene up. To Even though him, you know it, yeah. I don't care about the character of Roboto. It's just the way they did it <laughs> that actually was like, okay, this is kind of a beautiful moment. <laughs> well, like the build up to it was really good, right? Because he's powering up the sword. They they turn the entire tower into this forge. There's bright lights. The music was pumping, and then yeah, it ends up this death. Like they gave the character a great moment and send off, but it's just like. Is this, if they do, how many episodes of this are they going to do? How many characters do they have to kill off is what I'm worried about. I mean, there was tons <laughs> of He-Man characters. Like, the Masters of the Universe is vast number of toys they sold. And it's neat to see how some of those toys or, or characters in the show get the spotlight a bit. Like Triclops. Triclops is a nobody in the old cartoon. He's barely mm-hmm. in it. In this, he actually has a prominent role in it, right? Same thing with, like, Merman. Merman usually gets, like, very few lines in the old show. And this one, he has he has a good sequence in that one episode, right? So I like how yeah. they take in the characters that you you never thought you'd give a shit about <laughs> in a remake, and they give them the moment to shine for a bit. And I just hope they don't kill them all off. Yeah. So, what? At the end of episode five, you get this big surprise where Adam comes back and they're trying to resummon the power of to Eternia, the magic. Now, I thought what was going to happen was that the sword would not work for Adam since he had already died and come back and done all that. The wife thought that makes sense. So we were both in agreement that that's what was going to happen. It totally made sense that the the sword shouldn't work for him anymore and then that that it would need a new champion. So we were expecting it was going to be Tila to take up the sword and then he met, like Adam straight up picks up the sword, starts summoning the power back, and then bam. Yeah. You get hit with Skeletor. And how he comes back is so stupid, right? Like it is. He comes it's, out, he was hiding Evelyn's staff or something stupid like that. Yeah, he took refuge in Evil Lynn's staff so that he wouldn't <laughs> die back when all the things went down in the first episode. Yeah like years in that crystal ball and then right the last moment of episode five he just pops out of the staff stabs Adam in the back and then yeah takes control it's it's so stupid I'm with you I thought especially after the subternia episode because you're led to believe that Skell is Skeletor's manifestation in hell is that what you thought I thought I thought he was related to Skeletor or like he was like the He's the one who gave Skeletor his form and power, but I don't think they're the same character, I thought. 
Oh, okay. Because he kind of rec- he says he recognizes Skeletor. He knows of Skeletor, so I w- but I wasn't sure what the the lore there was with him because they don't really explain in this show how Skeletor looks the way he does. Right? I know in past He Man reboots they have done that, but that's when they kind of ignore that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any other reboots. I've literally only watched some of the old cartoon and now this. Yeah. The um the last reboot actually was not was not bad, but I can see why they would skip it. Not being part of canon, I guess, right? Because this really does take place right after the 80s show. Yeah. But, like, I'm with you. I thought that uh, Tila would be the new He-Man, basically, is what I thought. Yeah, the new champion of Eternia. But it it, it felt a little self-centered on Adam's part, somewhat unfittingly so, that he was like, well, I have to leave Heaven to go back to Eternia, and call the power back to Eternia. Right. I was like, you, you, you're clearly not the only champion there ever was or ever will be. There's these other champions here in Praternia with you. It's, it's almost a bit, I don't know, like naive for him to think that there could be somebody else to replace him as a champion. I thought like yeah. the whole idea of him to come back was, it did feel unnecessary. And they kind of warned him that you don't need to go back. There will be somebody new. But uh, there's a quote from Kevin Smith, right? When people are upset that, well, first off, they killed He-Man in the first episode. So people thought that was it. So when people were upset about just that part and that the thought that Tila might be the hero of the entire show, so people were all upset. And Kevin Smith dropped a quote saying, like, look, Netflix has given me millions of dollars to make a new He-Man reboot. You think I'm not going to put He-Man in it? Are you fucking kidding me? Right? <laughs> there's, not there's just, no well, Netflix and Mattel. Right. Because clearly Mattel wants to sell toys. Of course He-Man will be back. Right. And like, not to say that Gila, Gila couldn't be a hero of the series. Like they set her up amazingly well. And for a, a few episodes, I thought that's what they were going to do. Because looking back at like the very successful She-Ra reboot, that was fantastic, right? Having a female lead. And they could easily have done that with Tila if they really wanted to. But uh, I can see why Mattel would not go that direction. But they could have. But I can see why they wouldn't. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. It feels weird now that, you know, the secret is out. Everybody knows who He-Man is at this point. Everybody who needs to know knows, including Skeletor. And so now the villain knows that He-Man is Prince Adam. How is Adam going to keep safe not as He-Man? I feel like they are going to keep Adam from dying because he got stabbed in the back at the last at the tail end of the last episode. Yeah. And then Skeletor has the power. So, you know, fuck everybody. Skeletor's like seven stories tall now. <laughs> and I wonder what they're going to do with that, because they definitely set up taking Skeletor, which was even even the first episode, that buffoon villain, right? The, the villain that you could not take too seriously. He was not that threatening, right? He never felt like that. But now that he's the one of the masters of the universe and he has all this power, now he is threatening. Now he is actually scary. So the second yeah. part of this show, I'm wondering how much they lean into that. Is it gonna is the buffoon of Skeletor behind us now? And it's now he's just this badass supervillain? Is that the direction they're going? Which they might be. I don't know. I feel like they're gonna get darker with the tail end of this this uh five episode like the the ten episode series that they've made. Um, I'm definitely hoping that it still throws me for a loop in certain ways. I yeah. like not knowing what's going to happen, not being able to be like, oh, this is what's going down. Oh, that's what's going down. I definitely think that Adam is going to have to contend with Skeletor knowing he's He-Man in the future. And, you know, currently he sees himself as Adam, not He-Man. That might have to change going forward. That could be his character progression then, I guess, right? Where he has to shed mm-hmm. the Prince Adam, Adam form behind it, just truly become He-Man all the way now. That that could be a thing they're taking with it too. So I don't know. I, I just, I feel like the first five episodes is too soon to be salty about where this series is headed. Yeah. You got to give it the full season and know where it finally ends up before you make that judgment call. Even if it was... And even if the direction is something radically different, even if it was Tila becomes the new He-Man and she's the hero taking over, if that's ultimately what they do after 10 episodes, 
who cares? Let them do that, right? There's yeah. There's a reason you reboot these things in the first place. You're not rebooting it to retell the same story, right? That's boring, right? Like that's the same reason why I get sick of the Spider-Man uh, movies they keep announcing. It's like it's great when they first do it, but if they're going to keep remaking the same story over and over again, I'm not interested. I want something new, right? So if, yeah. if, if they take a new direction, they'll be great. Skeletor being a super super villain, sure. Let's that's different, right? Let's see what they do with it. It's uh, it's yeah, too soon to jump all over them, yeah. Especially like now that he's a supervillain, the magic is back. So everybody's yeah. magical again. So there's that. But yeah, like at the tail end, Evil Lynn went and sided with Skeletor. You don't know whether to think it's just a a tactical maneuver or if she's actually abandoned the good guys for Skeletor again. Right. And that's the thing too. Does does she come back to being a good guy? At the, in the second part, when Skeletor is too much for anybody and he doesn't need his henchmen anymore, he's he's a supervillain. He doesn't need any help, and he turns on his own yeah. crew. Right? Then does she become good again? Right? Because I, I get the impression that after Orko died, I got the impression that she was not going to stay evil. Right? And I think only in the end of episode five, I think she only turned to save her butt. Right? And I think she's ultimately going to be a redeemable character. I think. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to yeah. keep her as a bad guy. I I don't think so either. I think like it it would have been too much to ask for her to wink at them or something knowingly when <laughs> right. she went over to Skeletor, but yeah. in my head that's kind of where I saw it. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm siding with him, but just so you guys know, I'm not actually siding with him. We just we need somebody on the inside and I'm the one who can be that person. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think so far, uh, like, I wasn't sure what to expect from the show. Uh, I was hyped for that trailer, right? The, the When they played that song Hero with the trailer, I was really excited because that's a great 80s oh, yeah. song. But, uh, it is. After... I love that song. I mean, that's that's one of those songs where every time I hear it in something, I love it. Yeah. It was, what, the end of Saints Row 3, it starts playing. <laughs> and it, for... it just gets you hyped for that moment in the game. The end of Short Circuit. Yes, that's where I short remember circuit from. Short Circuit or Short Circuit 2? Short Circuit 2, the city one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a cheesy movie, but that moment was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's it's great for there. So, I was hyped for the show and actually sat down to watch it. The only thing I, the only thing that put me off a little bit was how fast they motor through the five episodes and how quick the plot advances. And that's not necessarily a terrible thing because some of these rebooted shows... They'll go for 26 episodes, and there's a lot of filler content between or flashback episodes, right? Like Legend of Korra. I love Legend of Korra, but there's a couple episodes where you can tell they were running out of budget, and they had to stretch things. There's none of that mm. in Masters of the Universe. It's literally five episodes jam-packed with plot all the way through, and they're not that long of episodes either. So I, I'm curious yeah. how much more there is, and if there's like a season one, season two, or what they're going to do. I know at the very least we're getting a part two, and uh, well, I mean, we'll see. Well, that's one of that's one of the interesting things to me is Kevin Smith is not an action writer. He's a dialogue writer. Right. So the character growth, he nails it. But <laughs> the action sequences, they really are very quick, short lived, not a whole lot to them. And they're quickly back to story progression at that point. Yeah, yeah totally. And at least he's got more violence in action than the old series had for the most part, but it feels like it's very condensed and you're yeah. right back to exploring the characters and their personalities and all that, which is great. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're going to take, if you were going to get put this in the hands of anybody, Kevin Smith is like, said, good with relationships. He's good at building a mythos or a lore with his own characters. When you look at like Dogma and Mallrats, there is a world, a larger world that he has. I can't remember what the name of he calls it. Is the View Askewverse or something? Yeah, the View Askewverse. Yeah, they're all linked together. So mm -hmm. he's good at building those relationships and characters and a mythos of his own, even if it's more grounded. So you give him He Man, I can see him doing it. And he has written for comic books yeah. in the past before. I think he did Green Lantern. I want to say he did. So he's done some stuff before. I believe he came up with the Batman villain, Onomatopoeia. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which, I don't know if you're familiar with the character, but essentially, like, in the comic book, his character is named Onomatopoeia, and he always says sounds. So when you read it, it's like he says crack and, 
you know, these weird things, but he's supposed to actually be making the sound that these things make, not okay. saying the word. <laughs> like a breaking the fourth wall type of character. A little bit. Like yeah. he's sort of inhuman in the fact that he can make all these weird noises that sound like inanimate objects or banging, thumping, various things with his mouth. He's making these sounds. So it's it's an interesting character to come up with that doesn't really work outside of the comics. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's for for any any complaints people have about Kevin Smith, like he he's got a creative mind that is not against the the norm, right? Like he definitely thinks outside the box with some of the stuff he puts out, and he's never yeah. been he's never been shy about that either, right? Like you don't like his movies, he doesn't care. He's still making <laughs> movies that are unique, and it's not the same grind that most companies put out. So, yeah, I think. Him, along with such a stellar voice cast, like from Mark Hamill, like we said, Henry Rollins, I love him. It's just, uh, it's like all the recipes there, all the ingredients are there for that recipe, and it's turning out great. And I just hope we're not waiting a year <laughs> for five more episodes, but we'll see. Like, I wonder if maybe if it just, they were planning to be done, but with COVID and everything, they slow, they slow down production. That could be why. Everybody's already talking about season two. It was part one. Yeah, it's only part one of like season one or whatever. Although I got to say, for five episodes, as much as I want more, if there was a year break, I could probably live with it because it kind of ended. Yes, a cliffhanger with Skelter being seven feet, 70 feet tall. But it kind of ended OK. There wasn't much in the way of loose plot threads. <laughs> really, the only thread left right. is Skeletor is going to take over the world. <laughs> right. But you still got He-Man coming back to life. Right. You still got the group back together. So I think they kind of settle things well for a break. Okay, so here is a tweet from Kevin Smith from July 25th. Bear McCreary just recorded the live orchestra score for episode 10, and we finished the sound mix on episode 8. I didn't realize they got Bear McCreary for this, too. I don't know who that is. Um, He did the... He's the one... He wrote the theme for Walking Dead. And oh, okay. I think he scored all of the recent Battlestar Galactica series. And I say oh, really? because I'm not talking about the 70s one. but Yeah, yeah, the 2001 or whatever. Yeah, his, that yeah. score was good so, for that. Yeah, so... Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know he was involved. Um, finished the sound mix on episode 8. So Master's Official Revelation Part 2 is officially picture-locked. Nearly wrapped and ready to go. Uh, so apparently there, he's referring to... Skeletor with the power as Skelegod. <laughs> Skelegod. Skelegod. That's what they're calling him. So I guess we don't have a release date yet, but the fact that the final five episodes are still at least somewhat in production yeah. leads me to believe that it's probably at least a few months out at best. Yeah, something tells me it'll be like start of the new year, but but we'll see. Yeah, because I, I don't think Netflix is going to tell us. Yeah, no, there's nothing. It's all just guesswork right now. Honestly, I'm just <laughs> glad they didn't do uh, the, the releasing the one episode a week type crap. I'm glad we just got all five at once at the very least, because I hate when they do that. Like Disney Plus does that with Mandalorian stuff. I don't want to watch a show week to week. I want it all at once. <laughs> like Loki, yeah, WandaVision we... drove me nuts. We did that with all those. I think we watched WandaVision all in one sitting because that that was kind of the only way I was going to get the wife to actually sit and watch <laughs> WandaVision, like an MCU show. Yeah. I was like, okay, we get to watch the whole thing. And it took a couple episodes, but by the end of it, she was all in. She loved yeah. it. it. It took a couple episodes for her to get into Mandalorian as well. But by the end, she was into that. She yeah. was not as into uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I get. It, it, she's she's not the primary action. demographic for the show, yeah. you know, but she did like Loki. Yeah. Well, my wife so. loves Loki's character. She loves Tom Hiddleston a lot. So like that's that's our favorite part of the movies to see a whole show with him. She loved. But uh, yeah, that's another show where. She was more into Loki than I was. I, I kind of fell off of Loki toward the end, <laughs> but it's that's all right. Oh, I I loved how it ended, and I mean, here we are on a tangent again, of course. <laughs> Loki's okay. ending, uh, another show. I don't want to spoil it here because we're not doing that show today. But the yeah. way they ended it, 
and introduced the new character. I loved it. And I felt like it made an interesting character out of an uninteresting, but a very potentially uninteresting character. So, well, it's, it's the, the good thing about these kind of shows, and I can bring it back to He-Man because the idea with the shows are, is you're setting up other characters, giving them the space they need to grow or get the character used to the audience, the audience used to the character. And He-Man's doing that too, mm-hmm. right? Why is He-Man and Skeletor dead in episode one? So that we have four episodes of learning who Tila, Men-at-Arms, Roboto, learning who these characters are, right? Like we we know who Orko is and yeah. Evelyn is, but with the first four episodes, we actually learn a bit more of their backstories and what makes them tick. So that when we have part two, and He-Man, sure, could be the hero, but we have more interest in the surrounding cast. And I think that's important. And a lot of shows are doing that now. Marvel does it successfully with their TV shows, and He-Man, I think, is doing it here. So like, I think even if the next half of this this part two, I think even if they don't focus on the surrounding cast, if they do get killed off, at least you'll feel bad this time because you'll know some more about those characters. <laughs> like if Man at Arms gets killed, I'll be upset, <laughs> like flat out. Yeah, I part of me almost expects a sort of reset at the end that puts them back at where they were before everything even went down at the beginning of episode one. Oh, but- I hope not. I'm I'm hoping it's not like that and just resetting yeah. all the lore back to the base again because that would kind of suck. If they finish off part two by bringing back Orico and Roboto, like they reset, the world comes back and everything has a happy ending, I'll be kind of upset because like all that yeah. suffering and pain growing with the characters to have it just loop back around with a happy ending, that's going to be a cop out. I, I don't think you'll go that way, but uh, I'll be curious to see how they do it. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that either. Especially, like you said, with all the character growth we've seen, and yeah. I mean it. I'm hoping that some of the characters get come that get to come back. If Orko stays dead, I will be a little sad. Especially after episode three, what they yeah. gave him as character growth in that, and finding who he was and the confidence to be a skilled magic user. Yeah, just to die at the tail end. That was heart wrenching. Like, not just the comic relief, but actually a serious character that you actually mourn over. They did a really good job of turning him around. Because in the old cartoon, you don't give a crap about Oriko. <laughs> but in this, they they turn it yeah. completely on its head. I don't think I have anything else to say on this at this point. I think I've uh, tapped myself out here. Yeah, I, I just reiterate, I think this show is great. I mean, I think it's totally worth watching. Yeah. You can totally watch it in an afternoon. And I, I look forward to see what they do next. Like, I... Uh, if this is where they're going with the taking our nostalgia from the 80s and rebooting it, if this is what it's, if this is what's going to be, I'm on board. I think it's great. Yes, I feel like this is a much better way to take the things we loved from the 70s, 80s and 90s and continue them on rather than and what Ghostbusters Afterlife is about to do something very similar too, I feel like. Yeah, that trailer like the last Ghost, Ghostbusters movie was it's okay. Right. But I think I, they wasted Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon was wasted in that. She's a fantastic actress. She's funny. And they wasted I agree. Her and I don't think it, where I stand with that movie is I don't think it was a bad movie because of the actresses. Yeah. By all accounts, the talent in that movie should have made it a good movie, but the writing was terrible. Yeah. So it's not because it was for female Ghostbusters. It's not because it was who the actresses were. It was because the writing was bad. Yeah. It was a lame villain that they were just like, let's make him become a ghost and be the iconic ghost from the logo. You know? No, that's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's when the plot was Ghostbusters in name, but not in content and substance, right? So when we look at the Ghostbusters afterlife, that is DNA of Ghostbusters through and through. And that's being led by a female character. So like it's, it totally could work. As long as you have a solid yeah. script behind it, right? And you're paying just enough respect to the original material, but still do your own thing. It will be the key to see how they do that. But uh, so far, that trailer is awesome. That's another one I'm looking forward to. It's kind of neat that it's the original director's son who wrote it and directed this one. So oh, he wrote it's it too? clearly That's... a kid who grew yeah. up with Ghostbusters. Yeah. And now he gets to continue it from what his dad made. And he got to get the as much of the cast back together as he could and be like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, wow, because the, the original was yeah, the original was the 80s. Damn, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> the I'm original Ghostbusters was 85. Yeah. 
And you know what I love about the new movie special effects is they sort of kept in touch with that old, awful special effects style of the 80s and early 90s where they just had to hand draw the cartoon animation over it. They went heavy on the color saturation to sort of imitate that without looking as cheesy as it did. And that's cool. Like Slimer in the trailer looks just a lot like Slimer from the original movies. And that's good. Apparently he's not Slimer. He's Muncher. Okay, well, he looks similar. So it's yeah, it's it's yeah. basically the same character, but it's a new character. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that'd be definitely one we got to watch. I'm looking forward to that one too. Mm-hmm. All right, we should probably wrap so it up. After watching, um, quick question: After watching this Masters of the Universe, how do you think I would like watching Shira? Because you said you've watched this with your kids, right? Yeah, I love Shira. Um, different kind of take on it, though, right? Where Masters of the Universe, very fast-paced, very much taking what there was before and kind of just spinning off of that a little bit. She-Ra's a bit different. She-Ra is taking the original show and kind of doing its own thing, more of a drastic reinterpretation of the character. It's great, though, Mm. because one of the things with the old 80s stuff is the, how do you say, the designs of female and male characters was much like comic books at the time is stupid, right? Like big beefcakey mm-hmm. characters, big boobs for the women. Like it was, it was totally unrealistic. And a lot, even now with a lot of media, the proportions of characters does not fit reality, right? So Shira does that a lot better, right? Like there's several different body types of the characters. The image of the characters is more fitting. It's something I could show my two daughters. Like this is stuff I wouldn't even thought about ten years ago. But when you have kids and you have daughters, you start to think. Wow, some of the stuff's pretty gross, huh? <laughs> like some of the stuff you see growing up <laughs> does not fit what I, it's not the ideal body type, right? Like people don't look like that. So Shira does a really good job with that, where people of all different shapes and sizes and colors are heroes in this. Um, there's a big part of this is on friendship, but in it, it's cheesy, but it's cute, but it's still very fun. But then the the story of Shira's reboot is surprisingly deep and surprisingly good, and. It takes what was in the 80s a fairly shallow universe and expands on the origin of the universe and the planet and the mythos there is done really well. Um, did you ever, did you ever watch the Voltron reboot? No, I haven't watched that either. Okay. I'm missing out. I don't, there was a Thundercats <laughs> reboot too, wasn't there? Like There was. I did not see that one that one though. But uh I don't so Voltron watch any and Shira, of these. What am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to watch more cartoons, man. <laughs> But uh, no, she she was fantastic in that it it really I, I always love a sci-fi story that goes into the origins of the universe. That's my thing, and they totally do that with Shira. And again, the uh, fantastic character designs, music is banging. Um, they have a lot of characters in the show, much like the originals did. Whereas the originals were selling toys, Shira's reboot is not selling toys; they're selling you characters, right? And the emotions and thoughts behind those characters. It's a it's a well written show. If it wasn't called Shira, it would still stand fantastic on its own i think so i love it i think it's great it's also a lot longer than uh masters universe but but they're totally different different things and i'm glad they're different yeah i'm glad they kind of went in different different takes with it all right well this was fun i'm glad we did this episode yeah this is good it's good to do non-game stuff once in a while this is our pilot episode doing it to where you guys can see us sorry i'm so red i need to work on my lighting in here yeah, I'm kind of yellow. I look at Homer Simpson again. That's not good. Well, that and I'm like, I'm really warm in here because there's no air conditioning in this room. So that's not helping. That's Doors okay. closed. No fan. It's I'm just I'm hot boxing it without the fun. Oh, and I, I figured out the echo at the beginning of the episode. I'll try and get that out. But for people wondering, that's because I had my speakers on at the same time as I had my headphones on. So, so that was on me. <laughs> but sorry, we'll get better at this. And then hopefully next time we do this, we'll have GP on as well. Yes. Yeah. I have the power. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to do that. Got to do one of them, right? Yeah. Um, You guys can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and here on Press B. W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. Search me on Google. Tell it you meant it. You'll find me. Yeah, and you can find me, Sick Jake, on Twitch and Twitter. And then, of course, you can find Press B now on YouTube. That's why we're doing this video thing. Or if you listen to the audio version of this podcast, that's still going to be our focus. But we really did want to branch out more onto YouTube and, and kind of get people there as well. So if you are interested in the podcast, 
Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube or you know, drop us a like or review on your choice of podcast apps. Special thanks to Arthur the Ancient on SoundCloud for our podcast theme. Listen to more episodes on our website, pressbetocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple and Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. Thank you to our supporters on patreon.com slash pressbetocancel. Your money helps keep this ball rolling. And as always, thank you to all our listeners. This has been... Press B to cancel.